0: These two guys are racing for third, but then all of a sudden, I the, the split dings on my phone um, for the next guy back, it's CJ Albertson, and he's running faster than everybody. I mean, he, 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 his last 5K was probably the fastest of anybody in the entire race. Ayo, we are back. Your favorite podcast
1: besties. We got Scotty Screams. C.H. Cheston Saltzaddy, and Chris Street grindset And I am your intro host, Danny P. And today, we want to get in your ear about our Olympic trials. Everything from our reactions, how we watched, what we thought during the race, and what's next to come for our newly, um, newly selected Olympians. So, we are so pumped. To talk about this in our episode i think we have some hot takes too some some spicy feedback um about about our brigham young boys maybe i don't know i think chris has some some takes but hey guys it's uh good to have you all here and we are uh let's open it up Chestin, how's it going man
2: with the highest of highs the lowest of lows um with with, with this race i mean it
0: was uh, incredible um, Chris, what were you going to say? Oh, no, you're good. Continue, continue. I, I was going to go on a BYU guys rant, but I'll save it. <laughs> really?
2: <laughs> well, let's, let's real quick. First of all, if you're listening to this, we're assuming you know the results. But in case you don't, we'll read them out for you. It was a hot start to the race, about 58-ish degrees. It ended at 70 degrees, low dew point. But it was a war of attrition out there. Um, we'll start on the men's side first. We have teammates Connor Mance uh, as the winner two hundred nine hundred five, and his teammate Clayton Young at two hundred nine hundred six, holding hands at the at the end. We'll we'll let Chris do his rant in just a moment on that subject, and then my boy Leonard Career called it, uh, got third. Um, to make the team and there's a lot of gut-wrenching stories about those who just missed out looking at UCJ and looking at you panning uh, that we'll dig into on the ladies side uh, Fiona O'Keefe in her debut two twenty two ten. she's the 10th fastest American female with that debut and set a so trial legendary. record for the ladies yeah legend wait for it I hope you're not lactose intolerant dairy and Emily Sisson, the GOAT, got 222.42. And Dakota Lindworm, a walk on to a D2 school, ran at
0: 225.31. So,
2: all right, Chris, let's get to the BYU boy rant. Or as in Utah, we call them the team down south.
0: Yeah, I don't want to roast your uh, college you want to too much, Cheston. But, uh, gosh, I'm just joking. Cheston went to Utah, guys. um Go Utes. Yeah. Yeah. What, I was watching this men's race, and at a point, maybe two miles to go, it was pretty clear that Clayton Young was feeling better than Connor Mance. Um, you could just tell by the facial expression how hard they were working. Um, and, you know, you could see it even as they were 600 meters to go. Clayton Young was feeling better than Connor Mance. I mean, he was high-fiving people. He was looking for an American flag to grab. He was man, pumping
1: up the crowd.
0: Yeah. I mean, man's was trying to get to the finish line and I'm, you know, I think I was FaceTiming with Scotty and Danny and I'm like, man, they are not about to hold hands on this finish line. Are they? Cause it was pretty clear they weren't <laughs> racing at this point. I mean, they were just messing around and stuff. And you know, I'm like, dude, Olympic trials marathon. You, someone has to win this race. Like you can't, you can't finish your holding hands. And like, you know, I'll hold hands with my wife. I'll, it depends on the situation, right? <laughs> when the Olympic trials marathon, dude, I don't care who I'm finishing the last 400 with. I mean, I love you guys, but... I ain't holding I, your hand. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, it like Mance, at the finish, you know, Clayton Young does like the hand thing. Like, oh, look at this guy, Connor Mance. And then... Yeah, uh, kind of
1: like gestures to like, let him go first. Like he's Like he's opening... The door for a girl on a date or something to break tape
0: yeah and it's like you know the post-race interview like like right after they finished anyway man's like didn't seem that i mean he was like obviously happy but clayton young was on like another world and then you know you got mance doesn't seem that pumped for it just have wanting the olympic trials because he knew that he was hurting more than clayton young you know clayton young had better legs on the day he, he probably knew that in his head was thinking about it and then the other guy, Leonard Career, who got third, he was happy, but in in reality, he doesn't know if he's going to the Olympics yet or not. Um, yeah. he was happy about his race, but it's like there's still a percentage chance that you don't go based on how it's set up this year um so it was kind of a weird post race interview, like I said i I'm a bit just bummed because I knew Clayton Young had better legs on the day, and we maybe discussed this some too. It's very possible they were like. Dude, you know Connor, you run for Nike. I run for Asics. Your Nike contract may have a bigger bonus for you winning this race. So let's let you win this, and then we'll split the money. Um, and that. So Chris,
2: real quick, right there. So that people are posting, on let's run. I know we all know that, but for the audience, like people are posting that theory, on let's run. What one thing that's interesting? To listen to on on the Sidious Mag and let's run um, interviews. Is they both in separate videos asked. Clayton and Mance, like, hey, before the finish, we noticed you guys said something to one another. What'd you say? And both of them were like, I don't know. I forget. I wonder if in that moment, they're like,
3: you forget. No, you didn't forget
2: that. I wonder if in that moment, and if you look back again, like right before they start cheering the crowd, et cetera, they exchange some words and you hear like, man, you look at Mance, like shaking his head up and down. And I wonder if they had that negotiation right there at the end. Like, let's get, let's get you the bigger payday and we'll split it. Yeah, I mean that's why but... would they do that though? Just just uh tell the tell the listeners
1: why yeah, you think so they the, would do
2: that. I forget the exact numbers, street keep me honest here, but I think for the men it was eighty grand if you won and then sixty-five for second place. So it's a fifteen K difference and people you know, are saying, My goodness, fifteen K for a friend. However, Mance is sponsored by Nike, who has way more money than ASICs, who sponsors Clayton Young so there's the thought is that the the winnings for Nike were so significant that it outweighed the fifteen grand and again, they can split it you know however they want um among them should they choose to
1: right but I, I, think, why, I think that's why would happened. they want to do that why would they want to split
2: it well i mean they're they're training partners, and again if if it were the opposite right if if it, there there's a chance if it were the opposite, you know Clayton might make more getting second right. place and his buddy giving him Nike earnings. Then if he so won I, with a six.
1: Yeah. I was just asking because like they their training partners, they've been running together for how long, like years and years. They, they ran together at BYU. S- seven I think years Clayton at least. Young is a little couple of years older than Mance. Mance mentioned, I think in a post-race interview that he was kind of a mentor to him when he got on the team as a freshman. And so they have the background and not only have they been running at BYU together under the legendary coach there, they, um, you know, left after that, went on their missions, and then went, got back into pro running, and uh, were coached, I think, by the same person, right? Despite having separate, like, brand contracts with Nike and Asics. And honestly, like, I think that that's a bro move. Um, So I kind of, like, differ from Stree on that. Like, I think if I am the Nike guy, if I'm Mance, I have Nike, and I know I'm going to have, like, a windfall for winning this. and. Clayton just kicks me on the last part. I'm like, okay, mix for the most part I'm like, all right, like he's in better shape than me right now. He should take it. But then like you know during those negotiations at like mile 24 when it was just them two running alone, we think that they negotiate or they were like, "Hey, like let's stick to the plan here. We're one and two like we thought maybe we would be." And um and he gave Cl- Young gave Mance the go ahead, but I think that's a bro move but like from a spectator standpoint, I think it's like so lame because yeah. I'm like, dude, like Clayton just like got it out. Like this, like we, this is the event that fans of the sport have been looking forward to for months now. Um, after the CIM deadline closed and like talking about for months and months and you're just going to like coast in like, I, to me, that's like crazy. Like it show it, it just like, doesn't like show the guts that you need in the sport to um i don't know maybe i'm just like too red-blooded about this you know like too carnivore but i think i think
3: people want it <laughs> i think people i it would have been so cool to see clayton like i mean i i feel like he looked so good those last 2 miles or at least mile and a half, and definitely they the slowed
1: one. up at the end. Maybe they could have gone two hundred eight, like or n- them or maybe not. or Clayton or yeah. Clayton.
3: Yeah, I mean, it would have been so cool to see him go two hundred eight, or maybe sneak a two hundred seven if he just absolutely blistered it like the last five k. Because I know, I know he could have. I mean, he and, was he tan Did you see like right before the last turn, he he went and got high fives. No one does that.
1: He was trying he was to get swag, a flag, an American flag, I think when he went around that like, yeah, regardless,
3: it doesn't, I mean, for a second I was, and then he just easily caught up to Mance who, who can't even think about anything, but his
1: next step. And then you think about outcomes, like what happens if young takes off and sends it and you know, he's got it in take, you can tell by his face. And then does Mance like, like collapse and, you know, by running by himself and not having someone to just tag onto, like, does that change the outcome of the race, you know? And is that, yeah. is it I fair? I think it,
3: the way that
1: the only race
3: that I've ever ran with a friend the whole time was Cheston. And we at Carmel uh, last year, we we had a very specific conversation before. And it was like, like, I don't know you anything. You don't know me anything. But we were like, let's run together for 20 miles. And then after that, like, let's dogfight if If that's what it comes to and and then whoever wins is great, you know, and we're under a very uh we're under an understanding with each other that we you know I owe you nothing the last ten k we don't have to hold hands, and that's not gonna happen like I'm going to try and beat you the last ten k and I want you to try and beat me and i think I think well, definitely us four would have much rather seen that yesterday
2: i I don't know i so I actually love the move. Uh, I'll take a contrarian view. Okay. I love it I from love a it. spectator standpoint. I love it, I, I love it from, yeah, net streak. You should face palm. Uh, I love it from a spectator standpoint. I love it from a fan of the sport. I love it from you know a bro move as well. One, I think they're playing the long game, um, and what I mean by that is obviously the money. We've talked about that, but yes, I agree with you, Scotty. You know, Carmel obviously is different than the Olympic trials. You are also racing to make sure you get to go to Paris with your training partner. I mean, if I'm putting myself in that situation, I might leave the last quarter mile, but if he's hurting and he missed a bottle, which, you know, that sucks. You know, early in the race, Mance, I wonder how much that played into him hurting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want my homie to go with me to Paris. So I'm staying with him and, you know, coddling him till the very end. And maybe even looking back to see, oh, career's on or whatever uh, behind us. Um, but then I also like it because we all know Mance is a, is a boss and he stands the best chance at getting us a medal in Paris. And this race doesn't change that. And Clayton young, I mean, gosh, what an incredible race. um, He ran, I know we're we're dancing around it. So I think, I think, uh, uh, (laughs) I think, you know, I love seeing Clayton have the time of his life. He's bonked a lot of races with the exception of last Chicago. So I like it for all those reasons.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that was, that's the, Positive outlook of it is like, you know, because we saw and shout out to myself for shouting out Zach Panning so hard on our preview episode. (laughs) Yes. That that man led from five to 20. He was running 450s, high 440s. I mean, they were on 207 pace, I think, for maybe 208 low for a lot of the race because of him. I mean, it was a baller move. It probably cost him the team because he took the wind for 15 miles, um, which is not the smartest thing to do in a marathon. We saw that. Elliot Kipchoge led Boston a lot of the way and blew up um and uh but i mean that Mance may have not made it to the finish you know the way he did if Clayton didn't stay with him the whole time um so it was a huge bro move i, I will agree with you there absolutely um good team tactics um and i you know they they seem like they're so close with each other and stuff so i mean yeah in that situation maybe it makes sense i i still think maybe give Clayton the win since he um clearly had the better legs on the day but um yeah I mean it Mance did look rough by the end um but yeah also shout out Zach Panning I mean he he made the race um and I was really sad that didn't pay I mean he still got fifth I think fifth or sixth and he got sixth um because uh CJ Albertson got fifth and we can maybe talk about how that third place spot ended up shaking out if any of you guys want to take that over
3: the one thing I'll say that I agree with you Cheston, a bit um but also i think the only thing that i disagree is the last mile because if i remember correctly well clayton didn't really care about who was behind him but mance looked back a lot
0: um, yes, yes
3: throughout the race so he mm-hmm. knew i mean there were definitely on that course there was like three miles straightaways and there's no hills in orlando there was like two tiny little hills so everything is straight and you know like, if someone is a half a mile from you, and then if you do the math, you know, even if I'm, like, running a six-minute mile, you're like, okay, I can, I'll still win. So, I feel like the last mile, Clayton, I mean, they knew that they were going to win. They knew that they were going to win with a half mile left, and maybe at that point, he's like, well, screw it. But I've just, it's it's just interesting to see somebody not blitz the end of a marathon that feels good um, to just try and get. A better PR when he could have. Yeah. yeah, he
2: he, he could have. I mean, I think too in his post race interview, Clayton said, you know, he part of the reason. Again, let's move money aside. Was that this guy has been pacing me every workout. I mean, this guy mm-hmm. every workout is the reason I am in the shape I am. It's only fitting, like he deserves this more than me. And I'd agree with that statement. I mean, Mance is the better athlete. Just on the day, Clayton was just an absolute beast. Uh, yeah, One that's aspect, where but- that's where we okay. that's where my opinion I I do
1: not like agree with that at all. Like I think <laughs> that if he you know like it's about like that's the, why the trials are set up the way they are. It's who's better on that day. And like sure maybe yeah. Mance has like paced him every workout, but and, and like think about the adida or I'm I'm sorry the Asics and the Nike like marketing departments right now. They have to both be punching air. Well, I'm sure Nike's happy that like a Nike jersey crossed first, but Dude, if I'm ASICs, I'm like, Clayton, what are yeah. you doing right now? Like that is a good point.
0: Yeah, and Clinton can say pay me. <laughs> yeah.
1: One <laughs> yeah, of the inter- true.
0: one of the interesting pieces to the, their dynamic too is like and you there's a video on YouTube of them doing like a I think it's like a four by is it I think it's a four by three mile workout. Correct me if I'm wrong anybody, but I believe that's um, one of the workouts they did like a month before the race. Um and their coach on the last interval, he's like, All right, I don't want you guys going under four forty pace on this and then Mance like first mile goes like four thirty two. And it's like within like Clayton like pretty much ran four forties. So like you have Mance who's just like and they made it seem pretty clear, like he likes redlining workouts, like he likes going under the pace. The paces the coach gives are just a suggestion to Mance. And yes, Scotty does does that sometimes, um, himself but yeah, I mean, and then you got someone like Clayton who follows the paces that are given. The coach knows what he's doing. I'm wondering if that was part of it. Like maybe Mance blew himself out a bit before the race and some of these workouts. Because I, I saw there's another one on YouTube mm. that did an eight-mile, supposed to be marathon pace tempo, and Mance ran 419 the last mile. When on Gosh. Earth in a marathon, is he you're on 419 mile. I mean, and <laughs> yeah. then, you know, Clayton's no like need. 13, he's like 15 seconds back. You know, um, and it's like, dude, and like man says, like hands and knees, you know, and it's like, dude, like you just, you just want to the freaking deepest, darkest place of your soul to finish this eight mile tempo at a 419 mile. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm just wondering if like, maybe he needs to rethink his training a bit in terms of his efforts on workouts. Cause you really shouldn't be crossing the red line as often as it seems like, it seems like he does. You would want to. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I think so a-
2: being
0: smart.
1: I have a question about the third place spot. So, like, how did that end up shaking out? I actually didn't like see what what happened back there. But
2: yeah, so let's let's migrate to that. And one more Clayton Young story, just because uh, I don't know if anyone saw it or heard the interview. But Clayton Young was throwing hats um, during the race. Did you guys see that? Um,
0: yeah, so what he was that, yeah.
2: doing, and yeah. he he, cl- he clarified he had an official bottle. He froze the bottle, and you have to turn in your bottles like 19 hours before the race. He had an official bottle, and mm-hmm. Um, ended up having a bottle in the bottle in a hat around that bottle as well. So he had an aluminum bottle, opened it up, took the hat, put it on his head and then had his other bottle that he used for fuel and his hat was signed. And so what he would do, he did this about five times during the race. He threw the hat out to the crowd with the sign, uh, the signature on it. So you saw probably at the end of as, as he was finishing, he threw his hat in the crowd. That was one of five hats. So I just want to shout out. I thought that was a cool thing to do to give back the sport. But yeah, let's talk about the finish. I forget what mile it was, but around 23, they left Panning, and so behind Career and or excuse me, behind Young and Mance, you had Panning fading. You had Career and kibbit. and actually at that time, kibbit was right behind Panning, and then Career was behind kibbit. and they had CG Albertson in sixth uh, behind them, all within about like a minute of each other. And said, Chris, do you want to kind of walk through because you called this. You want to walk through kind of how how that back and forth played out.
0: Yeah, so essentially we have Panning starting to fall off. And then Cabet is the next guy back. He's running a steady pace. He's running slower than Mance and um, Young at this point, but he's moving faster than Panning. Panning's running mid to high 520s, and I think Career was in maybe 510, 515. So he's making up ground every step at this point. And then, you know, as we get closer to the finish, it's like, okay, Leonard career is moving faster than Cabet, but he's, you know, 15, 20 seconds behind Cabet. So, you know, and then they are now passing Manning or uh, panning with a mile to go. And so now it's like, oh, we have a, these two guys are racing for third, but then all of a sudden I, the, the split dings on my phone. Um, for the next guy back, C.J. Albertson, and he's running faster than everybody. I mean, he he, he his last five k was probably the fastest of anybody in the entire race. Yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, and then you know, you see the finishing straightaway, and you got Quebec and career pretty much next to each other with like 800 to go. And then as they're making that turn, you see in the background C.J. Albertson ripping around the corner. And I was like, oh my gosh, but he didn't have a lot of, it, there was a little too much space. So the way it sh- ended up shaking out was, um, career outkicks, uh, Quebec, which isn't a surprise career has a good, um, track background. Um, and, uh, Quebec is more of a true marathoner. So if you know, you told me they were neck and neck with 800 to go, I would believe how that would have shaken out. Dude. I'm listening to this Let's Run interview of CJ Albertson. He finished 10 seconds back of of, uh, third making the team. Dude, he was devastated because he, I mean, he said he, he said he feels like he closed in like 56 in the last 400. I don't know if it was that fast, but I would believe you if if it was under 65. I mean, he was rolling and it makes you wonder. And I think he was thinking the same thing, kicking himself a bit. He started pushing too late. I mean, he, he, if, if you gave him another quarter mile, he was on the team. Yes. Um, so he just mistimed his kick or maybe you let a gap form around like 23, 24 with those guys that he shouldn't have let. Um, I, I think he just made a tactical error cause he had what it took, I think to make third that day. And I think a lot of people are rooting for him. Um, but yeah, that the race for third was electric. Um, and it, it was, pretty good in the women's race too it was more clearly defined when they made the last turn but yeah i that was awesome that fight for third in the men's race i mean it kind of made up for the hand holding going on for one two because <laughs> uh, yeah because i you got you know and the team is like really probably like what the logical one two three was going to be regardless um a lot of people predicted those three to be one two three but i mean yeah man, i mean i was rooting for cj i love his Strava content. Um, and you yeah, had to see him come yeah. so close. And I mean, I recommend go on let's run YouTube, watch CJ Albertson's interview after the race, because it's like, it's a short one. He like, can't even put a full sentence together. He's putting his yeah. head down. He's moving a lot. I mean, he was like really devastated. Yeah. He gutted. was, yeah. He was really just wondering like, man, like I made a tactical error. Like, I mean, they weren't even really asking him questions. He's just like talking the race over in his head um well, and, and awesome. didn't
2: he wasn't part of the tactical error it was hard to hear him at this point in the interview the it, most interviews really clear but this part is hard to hear he thought he saw a, a woman from the race in front of him on on that final loop and so yeah. he didn't push he didn't realize that i guess it was career at the time career or combat, whoever's in front of him was so close he thought it was a woman so he 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 started, he was steady, but he didn't realize until it was too late, that final turn. Oh my goodness, I'm that far. And he, it would have given him another half mile to push essentially is what he was realizing in the moment. And like you said, Danny gutted, I mean, just absolutely gutted. Yeah. Yeah. At the
1: end of his interview, he was just like gasping and he was like, yeah, my kids aren't even old enough to understand. And he just like kind of left. He just, (laughs) I don't know if they, if the interviewer said like, oh, thanks CJ. Or like kind of, you know, said like, we got all we need. But it seemed like he just kind of turned, turned and walked away. Like it was really, really sad. You could see his headspace was was tough.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Let's and, um re- recognize we have time here. Just uh, you know, Chris, those who who heard the JT episode, maybe we want to give an update on on what happened there for those who don't know. And then maybe we can migrate to the ladies. How's that sound?
0: Yeah, that's I was about to bring that up. Um, yeah. So Jacob, uh, he. You probably, you guys probably, if you watched on TV, he was there um, with the lead pack until Panning started pushing around like five or six, and then Ray started moving. He he wanted he didn't want to go past like four fifty fives. He just knew that was kind of his like threshold pace, Um, and he wanted to hang back there until like the last ten k if he felt good. Um, So he was kind of rolling in that second pack that was thirty seconds a minute behind the front group, which, you know, I think would have worked out really well and it sounded like he had good legs, but it he ended up having some sort of hip injury. Um that made him DNF around fifteen or sixteen. Um so yeah, unfortunate uh way to go out. It sounded like he had good legs and was feeling good otherwise, but yeah, he's got some I guess prior hip stuff um that he dealt with. I think like a partially torn labrum or something. So um I guess that flared up in the race and yeah, it's too bad. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I hope, uh, he comes back and, you know, maybe, uh, gets in a good, uh, if he's, you know, can get this hip thing sorted out, if he can get in a good spring race or something and carry his fitness he had, uh, for the trials, you know, I, I think even, you know, maybe he wouldn't have been top three on the day, but I think just even a top 10 finish was very, feasible for him just considering the group he was running with um who ended up being in the top 10 um so yeah too bad but um proud of him and uh yeah yeah it was uh it was definitely cool to see him running in the mix there for a I'm, bit
1: i wonder if he's healthy enough to turn around and like run boston
0: or something yeah. like that oh that would be awesome he's never done a Hilly, um, kind of marathon before, so that would yeah, be very w- cool. wishing him
1: the best in his uh recovery from that. You know, it makes you wonder how many of these guys who show up to the starting line from trials training, like, fully ready to finish the marathon at that intensity. Like, how many are mm. nursing injuries? How many are you know eighty percent, ninety percent, and and can they make it? So it's. It's just such a balance with training, like staying healthy
0: versus like trying to get fit enough to, to contend. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, he didn't really say anything about his hip leading up to the race. I don't know if it was just something that flared up during the race or if it was something he knew about, you know, leading up to it, that could happen. But yeah, I think, you know, made the smart move. Uh, and he, he texted us after it said, live to fight another day. So I think he's uh, yeah. in a positive headspace. Still, which is great. Um, So it's good good stuff out of Jacob. But um, do you guys want to move to the women's race? It's also
2: kind of exciting and a little more
0: unpredictable finish out of the women in terms of the top. Which I thought it would be the opposite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like I
1: thought that it was going to be Sisson, D'Amato, and um, Sina, Betsy Betsy Sina. And um, yeah. You know, it ended up being. What was it? It was O'Keefe, Fiona O'Keefe, Sisson, Sisson, and Dakota Linworm. and Linworm, yeah. Which like O'Keefe and Linworm were the two outliers. You know, it's O'Keefe's first marathon. It's her debut marathon at the Olympic trial. She qualified with a half and just goes out there. And is how how long did she lead the pack? I mean, she was out there from early in the race. And then, you know, at the end, you just, see her running alone. And man, did she look like she was hurting.
0: Yeah, I mean, she had um, – O'Keefe must have been – She
2: surged around – she surged around 15, 16. I mean, she was – and she was with the front yeah. pack, obviously, for most of it. But she
0: surged early. Yeah, and if you think about the men's race, how that panned out, you got to wonder if Zach Panning makes a similar move at a similar time as her, if his race goes differently. Um, but, uh, yeah, she, you know, I think timed her move well. You know, t- 10 miles to go-ish. Um Ran a lot solo. Emily Sisson held a pretty good gap on her the whole race, but, I mean, they were solo for most of the last 10 miles. Um, But that was a surprise because it's her debut marathon. She's run a good half. I think she's run 107 in the half. So all signs pointed that she would be good at the marathon, but, I mean, you got to understand, too, like, you've never fueled, you know, for 26.2 all-out effort before. These are things that you don't know how your stomach's going to respond, all of this stuff uh we go through in the early stages of our marathoning. Um so it is a risk uh doing your first one at the trials, but um obviously a natural talent at the marathon, no issue. Um, a lot of
1: the commentary during the race was they they were saying that it might be an advantage that she's never raced a marathon, so doesn't know what to expect, kind of an yeah. ignorance is bliss type thing. And I kinda yeah. I kinda question that sometimes. I think, you know, from my just like friends getting into running Um, you know, and they're not being coached at the highest level or anything on strategy, but all my friends who do their first one tend to flame out at the end and go, go too strong. But, you know, it's, so I, you know, just from a, uh, what, what what do they call them? Daily jog, hobby joggers, uh, perspective. I'm like, yeah, I wonder, like, to me, experience has been a total game changer in my marathon journey personally, but again,
0: not an elite. (laughs) Yeah, and I uh, I think um, I I agree. Like I, I'm wondering, like if you guys watched her finish, like she had, and we were starting to wonder, like did she throw up? It was it fuel that just, she missed on her mouth. Her bib was like covered in red stuff. Oh um, uh, yeah, at
1: the end. Yeah, I and think I'm, it's from like maybe a spilling drink on herself, and it's like the ink Yeah, That's what the I bib, thought. But like no one else had that, so it's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean something occurred. It kind of looked awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, like, she's doing her interviews and stuff, and her bibs all nasty. It's, like, wondering what it is. But, I mean, kind of reminds me, too, like, you know, fueling can go both ways if you're new or old at the sport. Like, Scott Fobble, one of the favorites in the men's race, he was throwing up before mile 10, and he just revamped his fueling, you know. And it's like, dude, like, you know, this is an experienced marathoner he's the top American in Boston and New York seemingly every year of the past few years and it's like this I mean he couldn't even make it 10 miles without you know dropping because he had stomach issues like I mean I don't just I don't know how something like that can happen on this stage but it just goes to show man, the marathon you just never know you never um, know there's so
1: many factors that play into your performance leading up to one day it, yeah and, and if any of them go wrong there's no forgiveness in that distance.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean you, you could none. you could have a minor bug that day for twenty-four hours. I mean, I'm not I'm not even talking like vomiting or anything like that. You could just have an elevated heart rate and that can derail everything um for, for that day. Um well well let's let's talk a little bit about so in the men's race, I mean there's a strong pack of twenty for a while and then it broke open. In the women, it it there was a surge early and there's about ten starting at mile was it mile? five or, or six um and and even dakota linworm wasn't even with that group who finished third she she hung back yeah. um and it, and then there was another surge like around 13 and then eventually like we were talking about um fiona made her move at, at 15 and by then it was really strung out um so that the men's
0: group was was pretty different in that regard a lot of a lot of things for and for maybe some background on Linworm that the li- listeners may not know this, this girl went to a D2 school and she wasn't a top, like, you know, she was in the thirties and the D2 national cross country meet. She wasn't winning national championships, even at the D2 level, her high school five KPR was like 22 minutes. I mean, so we're talking like, I don't I mean, really walk on to her D2 school. Yeah. So we're, we're not talking like a, Star athlete, like you know, Emily Sisson, star athlete her whole career. Um, and Fiona O'Keefe, against star athlete in college. Um, and then I mean, this girl, like, she runs for like Minnesota Distance Elite, I think. Um, and and she runs well, she is sponsored by Puma. Um, but I mean, talk about a come up, but I think she ran this race really smart and also had some, um, not to take away from her performance, but some definite. Uh, luck that occurred too, like just by some, kind of some people that were struggling on the day, like Kira D'Amato um, DNF, um, you know, she was pushing the pace early on. She looked great. And then I don't know what happened the heat or something. Um, she did have a good battle from Sarah Hall for a bit there. Sarah Hall ran a good race, I think got fifth. Um, and then you had uh, Betsy Sena who was a lot of people's favorite to even win this race. Um, we We saw her, I mean, with a few miles to go. She just drops out and lays on her stomach on the side. And I'm yeah, like, Yeah, in the grass. Yeah. I was just like down. face down. I was like, Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. But like, the thing was, like, she was in the battle for third, holding pace with them. And then all of a sudden, she's like, I'm done. And it's like, you know, normally I feel like you got to be, like really blowing up to DNF. Maybe she was just pushing that red line so far and couldn't go anymore, or she was having some cramps. I don't know. But the, that was weird. Cause normally, even if you're going to DNF, if you're that way in the marathon and you just lay down, your body's going to seize. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know what her deal was, but then, yeah, she had a good, I think it was, uh, uh, Caroline Rotich, is that, um, yeah, I think who, uh, was the battle for fourth with her. Um, and she, uh, they they ended up having a pretty decent battle, but, um, I think Another girl ended up getting fourth. That was kind of a surprise. Yeah. She PR by four minutes.
2: Yeah, um, Jessica McLean.
0: Yeah. yeah, Jessica McLean was PR by three minutes at two twenty-five
2: forty six. And was was Jessica the, the girl that like this is her third or fourth marathon and she's just been like hacking away at PRs and she she's an amateur, yeah. right?
0: And she was yes. unsponsored coming into this. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah, unsponsored. Um so that was a crazy performance. I think she and Worm were kind of two that didn't go with that initial like big move, and I think that was kind of the you know just come back to Jacob briefly like that was kind of the tactic he was employing as were other guys in his group like you know hey like these guys in the front are maybe going getting a little too excited right now like let's make a second pack here hold four fifty five five flat and then a lot of this race is going to blow up and that didn't really pay off in the men's race because the three guys that um, made the team kind of went with the move. Um earlier on, but I mean the women's race it, it paid off handsomely. A lot of the top women dropped out or um blew up really bad. So um yeah, yeah. Dakota Lin- Linworm with um some really good tactics that got her on the team. At
2: another uh devastating interview, not quite like CJ Albertson, but pretty heartbreaking is Sarah Hall. Um, you know, at fifth she ran a two twenty six oh six, set a master's record. It was her seventh time trying to make an Olympic team. And you got to think this, this is probably the last one. I mean, will she show up to the trials again? Probably, but this is the last real shot I think of her to make, make, uh, the team. And you could just tell, um, in the interview, the first, you know, minute or two of it, I think also a let's run interview, uh, just heartbreaking because she was there. I mean, she was there really, uh, late in the race and she looked so strong and just started fading.
0: Yeah. And I think for her, like you gotta be proud. I mean, she's 40 years old. like. Uh, I mean, just to be in the mix late in the race, awesome run by her, Um, super inspiring. I'm a big fan of her and her husband, Ryan. Um, Ryan Hall, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, she's 40. She could, I mean, in terms of times, she's going to qualify for the next trials. I don't think she'll have a problem running the qualifying times, Um, but it's like, will she be a factor in the race? I don't know. Um, But yeah, it's that's been a name if you've followed this race for the last probably like well she, she ran some track trials too but she's been a fixture in women's marathoning in the U.S. for a long time now so kind of a turning of of the tide um uh in, in women's marathoning right now with uh, some of these greats you know Kira D'Amato as well kind of getting around that 40 year old age um, still running great but I'm sure they'll still do some world world major marathons over the next few years and you know run well at those but in terms of making Olympic teams it's probably a smaller chance now um and same on you know if we're talking people getting older um too like des Linden she wasn't a fixture in this race at all really um but she's someone that you know this is probably her last probably was probably her last trials where she could be like actually competitive just with with mm-hmm. as an age thing um which uh you know sad because she won the Boston marathon all that so it's gonna be sad to not see her as a picture in the lead in some of these races. And then on the men's side, you got to think like, you know, Galen Rupp too. I know he has some haters What's out there. Um, uh, but yeah, you guys can just drink your haterade and walk away. I'm a huge G Rupp <laughs> fan, innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, moderately joking there, but kind of not too. Uh,
2: yeah. With, <laughs> with, with, with Rupp, with Rupp for me, it's less about the, uh, the scandal, uh, you know, I, I agree with you innocent until proving guilty. Yeah. There's some shade there. I just, uh, you know, when he was the greatest for as long as he was, I wish he was a little bit of better of an ambassador. That's where I sit Yes, on yes. it. I, I think he was a bit, of, I wish he was a better ambassador for the sport. Um, but yeah, you got to respect greatness. I mean, he, he carried after Ryan Hall, he carried, uh, the men's side of, of marathoning for, for a while. So tip of the cap yeah. to Mr. Rupp, but you got to think this is his last competitive one too.
0: Yeah, yeah, for the trials, yeah. I mean, he'll be, like he's like 37 or 38, so I'm sure he'll run. Uh, he, he was saying he wasn't sure what was next in his post-race interview. He might retire. Uh, might not. Uh, maybe run a couple more world majors, get some, uh, you know, because just showing up to those races, he gets signing bonus for just showing up for the race. So, um, you know, if he goes and runs 212 with a few more marathons and picks up, you know, fifteen twenty thousand 20,000 just for showing up to the start line, you know, all good, all good for him. Um, but yeah, his, his post first interview was kind of sad. And, um, I think he faded He ran like 214, got like 16th place. So, um, mm-hmm. faded pretty hard at the end there. Um, second half was brutal. Um, but yeah, again, it's just kind of this trials was kind of like a weird, um, you know, handing off the torch to the younger marathon group now, um, just the way the finish shook out. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, I mean, both races were electric. I was glued to the TV for the entire two hours plus. I won't lie; um, I was Facetiming these guys, and it was re- it was really hype. Chestnut was at a watch party, um, which was really cool. So, yeah, it was awesome race all around. I'm glad the weather shook out for the best. Um, you know, so much to take away horrible.
1: from just like a like a racing strategy standpoint. And oh yeah, dude how how it goes. Like, yeah, Chris, you mentioned. Um, you know kind of an end of an era for some of the older runners there was um Cabet who came in fourth and ran a 21002 and yeah. correct me if i'm wrong i think he's 40 years old he's 40 um, so he's he 40, set a masters record like yep. set a masters record that's incredible so like huge congrats to him and also like a glimpse of inspiration for <laughs> for people you know just running prs at an older age um I mean, that's a nasty time, and I thought for sure he would have come in third. He was just trailing those guys, but again, outkicked
0: by career. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to mention Kibet. Yeah, Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Leonard career that made the men's team too. He's 37. I mean, um, so yeah, awesome race out of him. Um, And Kibet immediately said after the race, he'll be back (laughs) next time you know, he's still going to be going for it at 44. So good for him more power to him, man. Um, but, uh, yeah. Do you guys, any more, uh, comments about either race?
1: Yeah. I just think just going the other good Danny the strategy, like, like there's a couple like camps that runners fell into and it was kind of hold back from the lead crew in the women's race. It seemed like, you know, maybe, um, well, I mean like let's let, like let's just take the men's race like those guys who are holding back, they didn't end up making the surge at the end, but then you have like the complete opposite approach from Zach panning and kind of flamed out from taking the win for the majority of the race, and I think that um you know it's just interesting to see like panning was saying that during his training he was take- he was like running a lot solo and taking a lot of that win anyway, so he was ready for it um and you know it just didn't work out so it it i don't think it's like a fault in his race strategy per se i mean maybe he could have just like hopped in the group for a little bit but maybe he did want to like take those guys out go toe-to-toe with them and try and burn them out and see if he could hang on it's just a matter of guts and will and
0: fitness and didn't work out (laughs) yeah i mean there's there's no doubt he gained a lot of respect from uh watching I mean it was legendary Chris, he, what he did
1: you you raced with him right in D2 uh, regionals
0: yeah. yeah yeah we um so I ran a Bellarmine and uh which is a small D2 school in Louisville and um he went to Grand Valley State in um Grand Rapids Michigan and they had a powerhouse program they were either first or second at the D2 meet every year it's actually a really big school it's got like 17,000 students they have really nice athletic facilities and stuff. Um, but I mean, still, I mean, he, and he won national titles at the D two level. I think he ran 2830 in the 10 K and 1330s in the, uh, five K in in college. So, I mean, yeah, regardless of D two or D one, he was one of the best NCAA athletes, but, um, but yeah, I got to race against him a few times. Um, he was always, uh, beating me up, uh, in races. So, but, uh, yeah. From my interactions with him in college, he's, he's legitimately a great guy. Um, and I'm, I'm, I was definitely, yeah, he seemed like him. it. Yeah. yeah seemed I mean, like it in his
1: post-race interview. And yes, and can yeah. you kind of, can you explain like he's a Brooks runner too? CJ Albertson was the other Brooks runner in the, in the lead, um, pack there. Does he so, but I think he trains with a different team. It's like Brooks Hanson. Yeah. Is that so, right, Chris? Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: So Zach Panning trains in the Detroit area with, um, it, it's actually our, these two brothers. named the last name is Hanson. Um, they have a. Is that related to like the Hansons, like
1: training you find on like the website yeah. you Google, like marathon? Okay, okay, yeah,
0: yeah. So they they have a running store in Michigan as well, and a lot of the guys on this team, you know, they get a broke sponsorship and they get housing from this team, and then they also um work at the running store, um, and then you know they go on team trips or whatever, get travel covered by Brooks. Um, And I don't think it's one of the more um, maybe lucrative teams um, in the professional world in terms of just salary and stuff. Um, But, uh, yeah, he he is in that group in Michigan. And then um, C.J. Albertson just has his own individual Brooks contract. He's not on the team. Um, And he trains in Central California and Fresno. Mm. I mean, he's pretty much solo um, for all of his stuff, so yeah, he has a separate Brooks contract. But it does become a bit confusing because they have the same kid on, <laughs> um, yeah. in the race, yeah. so it would look like they are teammates, which yeah, but um, yeah, they are but separate then on, teams. On the
1: other hand, you have young Mance who are different contracts but same team, so it can or trained with the yeah. same coach, so it could be kind of confusing how that works yes. but yes. all right let's say hypothetically let's just like put our dreaming hats on for a second if the 50k was a um olympic distance um who who are the top three from this race uh going, going to the olympics in the 50k
2: Ooh, you can go just definitely cj i was gonna say de- yes. definitely cj um Definitely Clayton Young after how he looked. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, th- yeah. this also is assuming, this is also assuming, if we're assuming people are training for that distance, I think it's a little bit different. But based on the day, I mean, you got to like CJ Albertson, Clayton Young. Um, and then I would say, I would say, I would think Panning would have changed his strategy. And I think knowing it's a 50K, and I think he would have had the legs for it for 50K. Um, but obviously he would have had to have shifted his strategy. So I'd go panning young CJ.
0: I've kind was of the uh, guy who
1: just set the 50 miler record in um, tunnel Hill, Charlie. Oh something. yeah. Yeah. He was, he, in, he,
0: he's probably in this race.
1: Yeah, he was, he oh, was, yeah, he, been. Uh, I think he ran two sixteen or something. Um, yeah. I wonder if he'd be a factor, you know, but you, that's kind of what the thought experiment is, is like you get some of these guys who maybe aren't involved in the
0: lead packs and, you know, maybe you throw them in the mix now. So, someone that was in that second pack with Jacob that um, ended up having a pretty good last 10k. I think he got like ninth, maybe was a uh, Reed Fisher. He runs for Adidas and a 10 man elite in Colorado. Mm, um, he, yeah. he, he really didn't have any like miles where he was blowing up or anything. If you extend this race another, you know, five, six miles. I think he would have been in that discussion too. kind of a sleeper pick for that. But yeah, I was looking at a Strava and I was like, man, he, I mean his uh first half and second half splits were like pretty even I mean he ran a really smart race, mm. so um that would be a good pick for that too um and I mean for the women i'm i mean the top three looked pretty good um I don't know i mean I, I, the uh jessica um the girl that got fourth, I think she might may have moved up a place if you made the race a little longer. She was just closing very well, passed a lot of people the last bit, um, but I think Sisson and O'Keefe, yeah, they were they were cruising, man.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: hard to beat. One one thing I just want to say before we close out um, is, uh, you know, thank you all, uh, listeners. It's been an incredible response the last four weeks. I mean, already we're in the top 15, 20% of podcasts, um, out there with, with, we're celebrating our one month anniversary as we record this. So just want to say thank you all so much. Feel free to share this or previous episodes with someone who's getting into running or, uh, that's, that's interested in learning more about running. Uh, we're, we're excited to bring more content, uh, to you. Um, and again, uh, like, and subscribe, a rate and subscribe uh, if you haven't already. We really appreciate it. helps helps boost the algorithm get the message out. Um, and this has been a lot of fun. We're ha- we're having a blast doing this, and it seems like it's resonating with y'all. So just want to say thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, shout out to everybody listening. Um, I will say uh, just maybe kind of give listeners some background on um, how the pod's doing. Um, the Jacob interview did extremely well. Um, we got a lot of positive comments and. Um, You know, we run with people on on Saturdays with a big group and stuff, and a lot of people um, enjoyed that one. So we will definitely be getting more guests on in the near future. Uh, If there's anyone you guys would want to hear from, let us know. Um, And then I uh, will also um, just say, as we look forward to the next few episodes, we're kind of been doing a um, background on all of our running careers. So I think uh, the first one you guys will hear is Danny's. Um, which we already recorded and it is a very good story about how he was a four hour plus marathoner and he just ran 248 in Houston. So if any of you guys are kind of in that high three, low four range right now and uh, want to figure out what the next steps are, that interview is the perfect one for you. Um He gets in the really good detail about everything he did from start to, uh, to current. And then, uh, yeah, so we'll keep pumping him out. We'll do all four of us in regards to that. And, um, and uh, go from there. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Justin, you got anything else to add before we sign off? No, just uh, super
2: excited uh, about the growth of of running and just to see that realized at the trials. And thanks again, y'all for listening. Have a great uh, week of running.
0: Yep. Thank you guys. Appreciate it.
2: Peace.